Welcome to Through the Corporate Glass, a podcast that explores career choices. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode. I am Deepa, your host for today's episode. Chief Information Officers, CIOs, are crucial to an organization's digital transformation efforts. What's the role of a CIO and how has it evolved over the years? How do they make some of the key technology decisions that drive the organization? What does it take to be a successful CIO? We talk about this with George Eppen, Group CIO of Petrofac. He's leading the digital transformation of the company. He's focused on building best-in-class cyber capabilities and developing digital products that deliver better business outcomes for customers. Before joining Petrofac, he spent 13 years with General Electric, where he had experience in multiple international executive leadership roles in cybersecurity, digital transformation, and technology. His most recent role at GE was heading the cybersecurity practice for GE International Regions as a CISO. George also serves on the board of advisors for IBM Security, Continuity Software, and Seed Group. Hi, George. Welcome to the episode. Really excited to have you with us today. Hi, Deepa. Really happy to be part of this podcast. Thank you, George. You know, let's begin by going back in time and talking a bit about how it was when you began your career journey. What was your first role like and what were your expectations at that time? I did electrical engineering during my engineering days and I was not expecting a career in software or IT when I was doing education. <laughs> so I got a campus placement with General Electric and I was excited to work for GE. I was under the impression that I will be probably, you know, since General Electric, you know, G made the first light bulb. I was always under the impression that maybe I was going to do something on the electrical engineering space. But I started, I realized I was part of the IT function. I still remember that the best thing that I was not having much expectation. I was more <laughs> like, try to see how it goes and, you know, take it a step at a time. That was my attitude at that point of time. That's true. And, you know, at that time, what did you think the role of a CIO was? At that point of time, I'm talking about my year one in my career back in 2006. The only person I had visibility to was the project leader mm -hmm. to whom I was reporting to and to the project manager to whom the project leader was reporting. Anyone above them, like program manager, director, CIO, it was all, you know, I know these are senior people, but to be honest, they were like unreachable, unreachable from where, you know, from where I was looking. So my scope of universe was always limited to project leader and project manager. Too. <laughs> that always happens, George. So now, what does being a CIO mean to you? How would you describe the role in your words? My role. So there are different ways I can describe my role, right? But I think the best way to tell about my role is be the technology advisor to the CEO and CFO when it comes to anything related to IT or digital. It's a strategic role. I need to make advices to the board, 
I need to come up with a strategy for the organization, not for today, but for future. But one of the most important part of my role as a CIO is to take care of the people who work for my function. I have close to 500 people reporting to me. So I owe it to them for their career development, plan for them. I don't see them as resources, getting a job done, rather I see them as some of them as a future CIO, right? So I'm putting them in a right career path. I'm stretching them enough. I'm giving them right mentorship. So the aspect of nurturing talent is also a key part of my role. And again, I believe it's part of any leader's role. But at CIO, I definitely don't want to overlook that aspect. Sure. So George, you were earlier with General Electric. Now you're with Petrofac. So... How would you compare a CIO's role, you know, contrasting between different industries? How does the role change or is there any difference in the way you would approach it? Fundamentally, there's not any difference, in my opinion, irrespective of your industry can be different. You may be CIO in banking or oil and gas or healthcare or FMCG. However, the role of CIO, in my opinion, is still the same. CIO should not have an IT mindset. CIO should have a business mindset. So he should know the business which he's supporting. He should know the core business processes. He should know what makes the business successful. So one of the key skills for a CIO is to know the business, which I am pretty sure all the CIOs does very well. And even if a CIO moves from one industry to another industry, he will probably pick it up. So I will say the knowledge of the industry which he's operating is a key skill for CIO. Then after that, everything is very similar, right? Of course, the priorities may vary from industry to industry. Some industries are heavily regulated, but when it comes to CIO, it's all about mapping the technology program of the company or the strategy, technology strategy of the organization to the business priorities and making sure it is delivered on time, on quality, under budget. If you look at the role of a CIO in the last two decades, for example, you know, those days with Y2K, then you have the whole cloud move and now the pandemic. How do you think the role has evolved over these years? I personally feel, again, I got access to CIO responsibilities in the last decade. So very difficult for me to comment how the role changed from 2000 to the year 2010. But my personal observation is that CIO was always a back office function. IT was a back office function. And CIO was all about, you know, delivering a back office function. I personally feel maybe the mandate was more about cost out and, you know, how to do things cheaper, faster. I'm not sure how much a CIO was given a seat at the table or his voice was heard historically. But today, CIO is critical for any business success. Digital transformation is absolutely critical for any organization. Everyone organi- every organization has a digital touch point, which makes it absolutely Absolutely super critical, right? So so I believe CIO role has moved from a back office leader to a business enabler. And I believe with this shift, CIO is now getting a voice at the table and he's been heard. So that's that's how I will put it actually. 
Sure. And you know, in your career journey, you have been a CISO prior to this. So how does coming from a CISO background to a CIO, how much has it influenced your thinking? To be honest, I personally enjoyed doing both the roles. I have not seen a huge difference in the mindset for both roles. I've been applying the same thought process in both my roles. Of course, the skills or technical skills needed is different. But the way I look, a role of a CISO is to drive cyber transformation. He should be asking questions. He should be challenging the status quo. He should be identifying the risk, particularly cyber risk, and come up with program to mitigate or minimize the risk. He also should communicate the risk to the board or executive committee. Now, when it comes to CIO, the mindset should be same, right? So he is driving transformation, but not limited to cyber, but also to digital. He's also involved in people transformation, right? Now, he's also someone who is going to challenge the status quo, where he is going to further push for improvements, asking questions, making sure the team is thinking the right direction, try to understand the risk, not only cyber risk, but risk like business continuity. So risk at business level and trying to ensure that we have a plan in place to minimize those risks or mitigate those risks and communicate those things practically to the board and group executive committee. I have recently seen a lot of CIOs becoming CISOs and CISOs becoming CIOs. I personally feel you don't need a CISO who are deep technical, who can, you know, do hardcore coding or cryptography and you know what you need as a CISO is a mindset is a risk-based mindset and I believe a CIO also needs that mindset so I personally feel it's very interchangeable skills. Ah okay so you know what's your typical day like? It's, uh, it's, it's normal I just you know wake up spend some time with my son who's three or six months old go to office I prefer to go to office I'm I have worked from home. It's fantastic. I love it because I get a lot of time with my family. However, I prefer to go to office purely because I like to be in the middle of things. I like to be with my team. I like to walk and say hi to people, have coffee with my team, different sort of people. I take them out for coffee. A lot of my time is meetings, right? I think back-to-back meetings, meetings with my own team, meetings with my stakeholder within the organization. And also meeting with external stakeholders like partners, vendors. Once the day is over, most probably I have a lot of things to address myself, send emails, which kind of become like a little bit of leftover because I don't get those time in the in the day. So kind of, you know, flush it out during the weekends and all. But you need to manage your calendar pretty well. I'm not good in keeping free time for me. So I have seen some people block two hours a day, three hours a day, only for the personal work so they can finish things, which I am not that good at it because I use that time to meet people, talk to people because I think they need my time more than me needing that. But yeah, my typical day starts at like, you know, nine o'clock at office and seven o'clock at office. And, you know, there's one of the things that, how do you keep up with what's happening in the industry? Like, it's so hectic to find time to read. So I don't, do much reading. I don't subscribe to a lot of technology magazines. I don't. 
So my learning is all based on what I hear from other leaders. I'm very good in networking. I spend a lot of time talking to other CIOs, CISOs, attend conferences. So my learning is less of reading and more of listening. So all interesting thoughts I heard from others, what their what are their learnings, what are the things they are dealing with. I use that information to come back and share that. I also actively listen to my, my own team members, right? Mm -hmm. Since they are more into the details and they have more access to the latest technology, I, I have no problem in asking them to educate me further or accepting that hey please let me know and since i don't understand this topic so i just i just listen to people and learn you know uh, as a cio what do you think is the level of understanding of the technology uh, that you need to make decisions because there'll be many decisions regarding what kind of technologies we are going to use how we approach strategically in the organization with those so What's the level of understanding you think is the right amount to make those decisions? So you, there's never a right amount. You are always making some risk when you take technology-based decision. So you need to be have some risk appetite. You cannot be risk averse because it will take probably months, if not years, to make a decision. So as a CIO, you cannot sit on fence. But what you do is actually, first, you understand the business requirement, you do a benchmarking, you can look into partners and others to see what solutions are out there, which has been recognized by the market, leaning out the process or simplify the process before we put any new technology in. But through this process mapping exercise, we also will come to know whether technology a or b or c which one is more suited because i don't think most of the time your technology can solve all your needs there is always some delta if the delta is 10 percent, you can manage it but if the delta is more than 40 percent, you cannot so it's always good to understand what is that percentage of your requirement which the technology cannot meet which will help you to set the right expectation i do that but once I reach the stage where I know two or three vendors who can solve the problem, I ask for reference customers from all of them. I talk to at least two or three reference customer. A reference customer is someone who has either deployed that particular technology in their organization. So I talk to them and I make sure that the vendor is not part of those discussions. So I hear from them directly. How did it go? Was the technology good? Was the team supporting enough? How good are the post-implementation support. As I mentioned, I get that feedback multiple forums in multiple ways. So it gives me a lot of comfort that one, the technology works for others. Second, the team that I'm working with have the right ethics and will completely support in a professional way and they will get provider support post-go-like. So that's how I get that uh, comfort. But having said that, there's always a risk of, you know, your decision always cannot be right. Maybe there is something out there which you don't know. It's, it's okay. Like it's it's part of, you know, making the right decision at the right time. Sure. See, when you're making these technology investments, if you look at an organization, you're going to have different systems at different levels of maturity. And at some point, there'll be real legacy systems which are very critical. And there'll be times where you have the fresh new ones coming in. So how do you 
plan for handling the transitions from legacy? How do you choose how to balance the ecosystem? Look, I don't think no CIO like to run legacy systems. It's not his choice. It's actually his limitation, right? So what I will say is actually legacy systems can be multiple types of legacy. There can be end-of-life legacy systems. There can be end-of-support legacy systems. So you need to understand what extent your legacy footprint is. Most of the digital transformation program today I'm seeing is either digitalization, where you are bringing a new technology to streamline or simplify an existing process, thereby improving productivity and efficiency, or moving a legacy footprint to a latest tech stack. In that process, we either bring the cost down or we make the entire process faster. So as I mentioned, these are the two most common digital programs I have come across, digitalization, where a new technology is introduced or transformation where an existing tech stack is replaced by a new one. You have to prioritize. It all defined by how much time you got, how much budget you got, how, how big is your team. So you need to prioritize your legacy footprint. If you're running a legacy footprint, which is 10 years older, and you're running a legacy footprint, which is two years older, you prioritize the one which is 10 years older. Now the question here is, it's not easy. It's not lift and shift. So we need knowledge from the business. What is the processes those legacy technologies supporting? So, and then you look into it, right? Is the same complexity for different legacy systems. There may be scenarios where you realize it's impossible to move a legacy tech stack, right? So that scenario, you will look how you continue to run legacy tech stack till a level where you can go and do a process re-engineering, which is a huge program, right? Which will take years. So it all depends on your legacy footprint. But it, in my opinion, it starts with visibility. You need to know what you are running. And you know a good understanding of what you're running will help you to make the right decisions at the right point of time. Yeah, and I think one big piece in all of this is also change management with the business and the users. Typically, it's so hard to move to the new one. So how do you approach that change management and communication? It's quite difficult. So what I normally do is actually when we do, when we did an ERP implementation, I brought a business person to lead that project, not an IT person. The team has involvement from both business and IT as well as consultants. We try to communicate frequently to people. We try to have campaigns. But I think the smart thing to do is actually, one, get people from the business to your program who already has a relationship and trust from the business. That will make the change a bit easy. Then the second part of change is new system, right? There will be always some challenges to get used to the new system. It's natural. It's human. When you move from one system which you use for years to a new system which you are going to use fresh, you will always have hiccups. It's just like you're switching your telephone to a new telephone or your laptop to a new laptop. You will have some, I will say, ramp up period to get used to your new system. It's safe for technology, right? So what you should do is actually set the right expectation, right? Communication should clearly tell to people that, yes, there will be two to three weeks of a little bit of pain for users to get used to the system. So let's not over celebrate or over communicate. Wow, this is going to make your life easy for everyone, right? You have to be pragmatic, accept that it will take two to three weeks to, to get used to, maybe months for us to see the benefits. That will help. 
and most importantly getting buy in from the board and the top management is critical right if they stand with you and understand the bigger benefit on the long run versus the issues on employee experience on the short run i think your job is done and see when you look at these processes especially you have a global org you're going to have uh, this conflict between standardization and flexibility so when you are designing your systems or when you are having conversations on processes how do you approach this what level of standardization and flexibility is needed for the you know company's operating model i think it's a balance in my opinion you definitely need to provide some flexibility for customization in my opinion you should start with standardization push it push it you will get resistance from the business what i normally try it out is first understand why the business is resisting have some discussions with the right parties from the business and from the team get yourself informed show them that you're listening if you can address some of the concerns you can address them tell that you know the new process work for them but it's all about listening and trying to you know convince them to move to standardization it will work if you hear them out and bring them along with you rather force it on them however i also have seen scenarios where in spite of lot of conversations the business still doesn't agree for the standardized approach and when we looked into the details again you need to be informed on what's happening what are those processes you should have some knowledge on that as a ceo you may not have that information or knowledge so you should have the right set of people with you so there are cases where the people that i have i trust or who i listen to was part of this conversation and they came and told me that if i push standardization the business will break absolutely because you know the tool cannot meet what business wants right the complex business requirement so business continuity always comes on top of standardization so at that stage i will be like fine if that is the case i'm ready to do a little bit of customization but it has to be justified i need to be justified i need to be convinced so i start with standardization push as much hard but if the business push me back even harder and once i validate why they're pushing back and if i feel that yeah they got a point i think i switch to the the flexibility mode of you know having a bit of customization because i cannot break business processes true and you know over the years especially there is there is so much of data now involved in everything that we do so how do you think this consumption of data has influenced the systems and the processes i approach it completely different because data was always there with us just that right now we have a better skill set to harness the data and make informed decision so i will say i will treat these as two different things right so business process streamlining bringing new technology eliminating legacy that's different from okay you have a lot of data are you able to bring everything to one location now yeah one element here is actually if there are multiple pockets of data centers right where people are using different application each of them creating different set of data which are not tying to with each other that's a problem yeah a little bit of streamlining is needed but in my opinion just that we have better technology today to get the right insight from the data available which was always available with us how do you approach you know tough decisions or if you have to have a tough conversation with the business how do you approach those 
situations. Look, I, I don't think in professional life we need to be tough. End of the day, we are not going for a battle, right? We are going for work, right? I don't understand why we need to be in tough in first place. So what I normally do is actually if someone is being tough on us or IT or me, I will bring it up, guys. Let's let's be guys, let's be respectful. There's no point in racing or being aggressive because it's just a professional discussion and there's nothing we, we they don't know there's no personal so i think that works always with me because once i set that attitude from my end i kind of you know push back people who are confrontational in nature or who lose it in a cold right because i always believe there's no need for us to be tough right so this answers your question how do i have a tough conversation my conversation is always based on the topic right so i have no problem having a difficult conversation or a, or a conversation on a difficult topic in a professional way right so i always do that in a very 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 professional way so once you have the credibility that you are not a blocker you always look into the merge of the things and you agree to things you disagree to things it works because you cannot say yes to everything right so when I have said no to people, it worked with me because it will not get a difficult conversation because I also have said yes to them in different forums, right? So uh, long story short, you should not have a mindset of, okay, how do I do a tough conversation in first place? Your mindset should be, how do I have a conversation on a difficult topic in a most effective way? Ah, that's nice. So, you know, if you have to say some of your main challenges that you face as a CIO, what would those be? I will say the requirements keeps coming. I personally feel the biggest challenge I have is actually a gap between new demands versus what I can support. It also depends on how much I can keep the team intact. There's always attrition in technology space. A lot of upskilling is needed when technology changes. So not an easy job where people sometimes does not understand how much challenges you have to go through to keep it running. People observe that things are stable and if something is down, people make noise. But people does not understand how much effort goes back, goes behind to keep things up and running. So CIO or IT as a function is a function which is not well understood by most of the people if you are not in technology. So if you are looking for appreciation, you know, it's not going to happen, right? It's not the way the function is set up. It's same for any organization and any industry. So you need to be you need to be happy going back home, thinking that you did something good. You need to be self motivated because you know if you're looking for you know kudos in every point of your work, it's not going to happen. That will make you frustrated. Then you need to find another job, right? <laughs> That's one thing you need to be self motivated, which is actually a challenge, right? It's not an easy thing for people. So a lot of times I have my team members come to me a bit frustrated, a bit demotivated. The concern is either their efforts were not recognized properly. So I have to keep telling them, guys, it's 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 how it works. So take it on the stride. Attrition, technology, skill set gaps, all these are big challenge for me. But if you ask me what is my biggest challenge, I see there's so much work coming our way and we don't have bandwidth to support. So you have to really good in prioritization. Ah, uh, that's so key. I know. So when you approach prioritization with all the economics in place, right, resources, skills, technology, what are some of the things that help you in your prioritization decisions? 
No, it's uh, simple. Like how much people you got, how much budget you got. So if you add more budget and more people, you can do more things, right? So, so but the point here is actually you cannot keep adding people because in future, if you get into a lean period, what will you do with the people? So sometimes you go with the consulting and model outsource, but end of the day, prioritization is all about how much you can do with your available budget and available bandwidth. True. And, you know, as we wrap up, what is some advice that you would give to the listeners on what it takes to be a CIO? Look, I think, first of all, forget about CIO, CDO, CTO, CISO, CEO, CFO. I don't expect any of my listeners to aspire for any title. That's the worst thing they can do. The CIO doesn't make you a different person, different human being. So I just ask you guys to try to do a good job every day. I never aspired to be a CIO, never ever. It happened. So your aim should not be a title. Your aim should be to do a good job. Go back home happy. My only ask to my audience is focus on your health, focus on your work-life balance. It's a job. You need to know that you're doing a job and you need to take it as a job. Yeah, you need to give your most commitment when you are at work. Of course, as a CIO, I need to stay connected even after work. But if you doesn't become CIO, at the end of your career or doesn't become a C-suit leader. That doesn't mean your career is wasted or that doesn't mean that you failed or that doesn't mean you did not reach something. So what I only ask you guys to set up what, what makes you happy? What's your priority? And it's, it may not be, it may not be getting into a title. So don't get too hung up on any title. That's one advice I can tell. I think just do a good job. That's it. That's a nice summary, George. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Diba. It was a pleasure. for listening to our podcast if you enjoyed our episode do subscribe to the podcast and check out our show notes which provide more information on the topics discussed during the episode please follow us on linkedin at through the corporate glass and on twitter at corporate glass and share your thoughts we'd love to hear from you you can also check out our website through the corporate 